Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. And happy Monday, January 22nd already. I can't even believe it. We're already uh, most of the way through the month of the uh, first month. I can't believe it, but here it is. Anyway, welcome to Elijah Streams. I'm your host, Steve Schultz. We're a year 26 still of bringing you the voice of the prophets and uh, having a great time doing it. Um, uh, my wife and I, as Doreen, founded this 20, 26 years ago. I can't believe it. Okay. All right. Uh, what are we, I want to tell people that tomorrow is Dr. Jen Halper-Hayes. So she's always a, a, a fun and deep person to bring on and tell us what's kind of going out in the prophets and patriots world, if I can put it that way. Uh, what else? We want to sh- run a quick clip for the wells that you're helping us dig. So, by the way, some we had a, a discussion. Someone said, told me, we need to maybe clarify to some of the people that we're not digging the wells. We're hiring the well diggers to dig. So, I, to me, it's like the same thing. And the, the example I use is if Donald Trump is, uh, if it's Trump Tower, you don't say, you say uh, Trump built that one or Trump built that hotel. You don't actually mean Trump got out and, and hammered it all together. You know, he he got the he put the pieces together to get the well that the building dug. And in our case, we put the pieces together and send the money and then we hire well, actual well diggers. So to me, it's kind of six, one half dozen of the other. But just in case anybody wanted to know. Uh, I was told that some people thought we could then just take our equipment since we have it and move over to this town and anytime we want. It's not quite like that. So, all right, with that in mind, let's go ahead and run one of those spots. Here we go. He knows the plans he has for them. He hears their cries. He longs that they have a cup of cold, refreshing water because water refreshes a weary soul. It's like a message of good news. Through every clean water well provided, we share and demonstrate the good news of Jesus. And it's all because of your generosity. Together, we are revealing the love of our Father to those who are truly hungry and thirsty. But there's many more people in desperate need. Give the gift of clean water today. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. And as always, thank you so much for your generous support of, of the prophets of God that we bring uh, on to this program. We sow into every one of their ministries when we bring them on without exception, and so you're supporting the profits when you donate, and you're supporting all these wonderful water wells. So, all right, time to bring in Johnny Enlow. So here's Johnny. 1349 hours, declaring it a riot. My message hasn't changed. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You must from now on target darkness in your society. We are almost there. The pain is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children hey and happy monday to you so you're not home you're you're away at your your is it yeah why do you want to say a location if you don't want to but it's your in-laws place or something that's that's correct uh it's a place in florida and so 
Elizabeth and I have had the privilege last two years, second one where we get to come the beginning of the year and, and spend time together and uh, focus on prayer and building up spiritually in ourselves, asking the Lord about different things. And so it's been a, a really good time. Great, great. It's so good. Well, we've got a lot on the plate today. I'm really excited about this. Um, there's so much to share. So I'm going to just, I, I don't even have an opening question for you. I'm just going to let you start, Johnny, and then I'll well, ask along the way. Let me start with something fun, too. It's fun okay. with a, an important message uh, in it. So uh, a week ago, I um, I had played some some pickleball and done so with kind of my secondary glasses, not, not these. And, um, and so I had put these somewhere and, and to shorten the story is for the last week, um, up until, um, uh, up until was that this morning or last night? Um, uh, was, was that yesterday? Yesterday I found them. I found them after a week, but here's the story. So they were in, um, this case right here. And, and I had been asking the Holy spirit. We looked everywhere where, where we're staying. We turned it upside down multiple times. And I'm like, this is crazy. And, um, when I asked the Holy spirit, I, two things, I feel like he's not really telling me, but I sense that they're close. And so we check here in the car. Cause it's really, I had, uh, even called all the places we had stopped that I was like, I didn't go there. Once I got uh, the glasses, I've only, it's here in the car is it, but I still checked everywhere we had stopped. So, um, I went to, um, oh, it was yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, I was again looking and I told her, I'm going to look one more time in the car. She says, well, I've looked there too. And so I look everywhere. I climb over the seats. I look under, I look, I open the thing, uh, in the, in the middle, look again for about the fifth time. And, um, it's not there. And so I say, Holy spirit, you're not showing me, been asking you for at least the last five days, where is it? And I'm not getting, so then I just had this shift. And this is where there's a little revelation for us as well. And I was like, okay, cause here's the question we have sometimes, do we ask or do we exercise the authority he's already given us? Right. And there's a point we don't, we're like, is this where I'm still supposed to be asking or do I? So I just said, okay, I'm not asking. It was no insult to him. I was like, I want my glasses back. I do like my glasses. I want my glasses back. So I go inside, get my coffee, come back out, and I open the middle thing that I had just checked before. And these were sitting, these glasses were sitting right there. Wait a minute. You'd <laughs> looked in the middle thing multiple times. I had looked at it and there's no secret compartment there. Uh, um, and, and so I, I don't know. How wow. I mean, in your, so, I mean, let's just, let me just ask you straight out. Cause I'm going to ask for the people that are watching. They're going to ask the same question. Do you believe God opened your eyes to what was already there? Or do you believe he sent an angel or someone and put them there after you declared it? What, what do you really believe happened? I, I think, I think they have to have been put there because okay. I didn't just look there. I actually put my hand in and felt everywhere under there. I should have I get a picture. It's like, it's not, you can't hide that yeah. much. And so um, either we were, Elizabeth looked there too, and she's very thorough. So either we had to have been blinded before, uh, but I really do believe they were just put there. 
And, yeah. and so, and it literally was the next step. I went inside, got my coffee, came back, opened the thing. And I was like, what? It's right there and missing for seven days. But it went into, again, the point to take for all of us is I think there is a lesson there. Yeah. And that is, there comes a time, it's not clear when it is. There's a time where like, Lord, please this, Lord, Holy Spirit, please help. You know, he's our helper. So you're, we're, call, we're calling on you for help. And then we also know that he calls us to take authority. Yeah, I got to ask you this too, Johnny, because I didn't know if you, I don't know right now if you didn't tell us every word you used, because I would have thought you would have said, I declare and decree that these glasses, but you didn't. You said, I want those. That was your taking control, which is very instructive to me because you're saying by that, and God's saying by that, that if you just make it clear what you want and speak it out that's enough right is that what you're saying and i wasn't targeting the lord i just i i that's i didn't okay. say it out loud i said i want my glasses back and that, i said it out loud wow and that was the first time in a week i had said it out loud i want my glasses back i do like them and and so i i came back and they were there so when i you know came back up to the where we're staying and showed elizabeth she goes what where were they? I go, they were in the midst. She goes, no. <laughs> so, but I, I think again, the reason I'm telling it is it's a great, uh, it's a great story, but there's a lesson there yeah. as well. Sometimes, you know, I, another picture that comes to me is like being in a boxing ring. And sometimes the enemies we're we're going against the enemy and we're asking the Holy spirit to do the fighting He's like, I gave you gloves. Uh, and so there's a point where we're supposed to exercise and it's not clear all across the board that every time we only like we take authority, we exercise. But I think once you ask for help and you're not sensing you're getting it that way, he might be saying, well, you're asking if we look at that picture, if there's some scrawny demon in a pen uh, in a boxing ring and he's giving you gloves, he's just saying, knock him out and and quit asking me for I know how that's applied Definitely when we prayed for the sick, we've taught on this before, um, there's a diminishing returns when you say, Lord, would you please heal this person? I would find very, very, very little fruit in that way. Or Lord, take these demons out. I've never, I've never been able to cast out demons by asking the Lord to take the demons out. It just doesn't I say, work. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus and I command you to leave now. And you so- know- you know what I'm saying? I, I gonna, yeah, I mean, I've told this on the air. I don't know if you've heard this one, but a, a shortened version of it is I have Paul Cox as a friend, and he he will sometimes let me walk through my house while he's on the phone in another state because we, we try and find out something that's wrong. And he'll say, stop. Where are you now? I One time I smelled the, the, the demonic. I smelled sulfur out by the door, and I called Paul. Paul, I'm going to walk around. And uh, I'm not going to tell you where I am. And then you just, if you discern anything. So I was turning and going different places. Then I headed slowly to the back door. And at the exact moment I got there, he said, stop. I, he said, what is that? And I said, well, I smelled um, sulfur, like, like a demonic thing. He says, well, tell it to leave. And I said, okay. So I told it to leave. And then another day I'd had this very clear vision, not vision, dream in the night that on the other side of my walk-in closet, there was a demon hiding inside the clothes. So I thought, well, I'll test this out. 
uh, and I called Paul. He said, I said, I'm going to walk around. You tell me. And I go all the way in the walk-in closet. I go right up. My face is right up to the clothes. And he, I said, he goes, no, no, nothing. I said, and then without saying anything, I just took my hand and I threw the clothes. Just like that. I just put it in. He goes, what did you just do? And I go, I put my hand in the clothes where, where my dream said there's a demon hiding. He said, tell it to leave. <laughs> His instructions are always the same. Tell it to leave, you know. So I don't call him very often anymore because I know he's going to tell me to tell it to leave. And I just need to take authority is my point. No, exactly. So I think that's for some out there. And, and uh, sometimes you just switch that strategy. And sometimes the Lord just wants to encourage you in the authority, what he's already given you. Yeah. So we understand that that's that's how he even shocked his his disciples. And then the 70 is I give you authority. Yeah. And they would come back and say, wow, even the demons are bowing before us. And so, you know, there was a whole message there. But sometimes it's it's time to stop just imploring and begging and pleading and just take take your authority. So that's not the the theme, but that's an, that's an extra that's point. A that's a really good one today. That's a good way to start for sure. That's a good way. That's just an extra one. If you've um, many, you might only remember that, but you need to remember what we're going to talk about now. So, um, you know, I don't know what the official title I had sent as a, as a, uh, you know, starter title, Ezra Cohen and the present prophetic task. So I'm going to explain this. Uh, some um, might remember two or three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago. Um, well, my dream was on, on December 7th, um, and I briefly told about it in one of our programs recently here, Steve. And I had two dreams, and the only part of the dream, both dreams that I could remember was it almost went nuclear, and then it was but for Ezra Cohen. Wow. And so I mentioned uh, Ezra Cohen, and so... You're going to tell us who he is before you tell us the dream, yes. maybe? Yeah. So I think we briefly mentioned that. He usually goes back to, he's always, always goes by Ezra Watnick Cohen. Watnick is in there, the other name. And so he is uh, someone that Trump put into a high position before he officially um, stepped out of being president. And it is assumed or known that he has if you follow the whole devolution series and continuity of government taking place, that he probably has a key position there. And uh, there's probably a whole lot of key things about him. And there might even be an application to his influence there, did something that stopped things from going nuclear. And nuclear could mean, nuclear doesn't have to mean literally nuclear, but it could mean, you know, he stopped something from being disastrous. So I'm going to let that part remain as a potential riddle uh, that also has application moving forward. But where I was led this week was to actually look up Ezra and to look up Cohen, both names. So the name Ezra means help or helper. We know the Holy Spirit's called our helper. And then Cohen means priest. So interesting. Oh, really? Yes, Whoa. literally literally means priest. So it, you could think priest, priest, or helper, priest, and where the Lord began to take me, so I want to frame where we're going today, because there, there's an important message. The present prophetic task is the important message. And Ezra Cohen is related, uh, Cohen is related to that. 
And that's what I, I want our takeaways to be understandable and clear, because this is a, a, a definitive message the Lord wanted me to give out, out today. And, and so here's, here's the setting uh, for us. Now, the book of Ezra is um, right before Nehemiah. And if we understood the chronological order of the Old Testament, those really are the last two books of the Old Testament. Okay. When, ne- when Nehemiah is, is there, it, um, you know, it's, he's, he's around in 444 BC. And so there is a finalizing that takes place. Nehemiah is after Ezra. And do you mean, uh, did you mean there's the last two prophets? You said the last two books of the Old Testament. It's the last two prophets or what? Well, Ezra, Nehemiah, they're Esther, the, Job. They're one in the same. Uh, chronologically, okay. um, there's, you know, some question about Malachi, but whatever. They're, they're, okay. We know that there's 400 years of silence, essentially, in the scriptures, if you go from the book of Malachi all the way to yeah. Matthew. And so we know that it was in the 400 somethings BC that Nehemiah was there. So at minimum, he's, he's right towards the end, but Ezra is the book that precedes it. And he's, he's got, he goes by Ezra, the priest. And there's the assignment that he had that correlates as a prophetic parallel to where we are right now. And there are some things uh, um, I really, is just for my own good. I, I did, I, I read all of Ezra, all of Haggai, um, Zechariah and things, and I'm not going to be able to fit it on. I mainly want to make sure we get the takeaways and that they make sense for us for us today. Uh, and so I had that dream. I couldn't shake that dream, though, because it was twice. And so it almost went nuclear. So it almost went disastrous, except for Ezra and Cohen, except for the help and helper and the priest. And so there's a word to us. And I'm going to lay the framework and, and then look at some scriptures. What we'll find out is, and in fact, if you go to Ezra chapter one, it'll tell that in the first year of Cyrus, uh, when he was king. And so remember, there is this, again, parallel connection that the Lord has. He's been speaking over uh, Donald Trump as a Cyrus. And it has more application than just the initial one of being a ruler. You know, Isaiah 45 uh, is one that we've always referred to as it relates to Cyrus. I will go before you, open the double doors, and you're going to defeat Babylon and all that kind of stuff. And it was Isaiah prophesying that like 140 years or 150 years before he was ever on the scene. So it was amazing. And so Cyrus was this key figure because he's the one that then came in and he issued a decree that the temple and Jerusalem could be rebuilt. It had been destroyed, demolished, totally leveled by Babylon. Solomon's temple was not there anymore. All of it had been leveled. And so the people were in captivity. They had disobeyed. They had gone the way of Baal and idols and all that. And so Mm. they were not at the time of Ezra or the time of Jeremiah. The children of Israel were not a nation with their own king. They were not their own nation. They were under under, uh, bondage, under slavery. And there's an application for us that we will understand this better moving forward that uh, in a way, what we're what we're awaking, it's not so hard, just what already be, been released to us is that we have been under bondage. We've been under slavery. If, if you look at things like who's running things, who's been who's been ruling, who set up governments, who set up um, the medical industry, pharmaceuticals, FDA, everything, the media, you go and you find like, oh my goodness, we've been controlled. And if you didn't think you were controlled, all you had to do is try to go against their narrative in the last three years. 
and yeah. anywhere from being jailed to losing yeah. your job to being, um, you know, dis, um, discontinued on your social media and knocked off whatever. We found out that if you challenge the rulers, then you you suffer the consequences, including there's people that were too vocal against things like uh, forced vax and trying to tell of the dangers of that, that lost their lives in the process. So thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. We've been under this discovery that we weren't, the land of the free has not been the land of the free. And we're in process, but we are not on the other side of that process yet. So there's a similarity to the time of Ezra, where Ezra begins to read on the decree of Cyrus that the people have not taken up yet. And for lack of time's sake, we won't go there, but you can read this yourself. And there was like, wow, there was a decree that we get to start building, that we are to build the temple, that the people of God were to join together. And they had been given authority. And he had said the king's treasure is available in order for this thing to be done so that there can be a house to the true living God that's that's done. And so but the children of Israel had not had not moved forward, but they did at this time. And in short order, uh, they laid the they laid the foundation. But I want us to look at um, uh, some real specific uh, passages. So I'm going to have have you open to um, Ezra chapter five, and we're going to read verses one and two. I say open there. I'm used to saying that we don't have that. We'll have these scriptures. Uh, uh, there you go. Go up. And here's what it says. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Now, this is important. Again, seeing the parallel for today, this is what the prophetic task of the moment is, is what was just pointed point out there is to assist in building the house of God and the prophets of God were there helping them. Now, I'm going to say something for clarity purposes, for purposes of clarity, a couple, maybe more than two or three times. But we want to understand that building the house of God has an application today that would be different than it did in that day when there is a physical rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem that had been laid waste by Babylon, that when we talk about building the house of God now, we have clarity from different scriptures that are pointed out to us at the Apostle Paul um, especially covered these like 2 Corinthians 6, 16, know you not, you are the temple of the living God. And he talks about, he wants to live and dwell among us. Uh, there is, we grow in Ephesians 2, 21, that we're growing into a holy temple. Um, know you not, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, and he talks about in Zion, but he says in Zion is he who believes. So for those of you who believe that in Zion only means literal Israel and Jerusalem, I'm not doing a replacement, but I'm telling you 
Peter, even in in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5, when he talks about the living stones, the living stones in Zion are those he specifically says who believe in Jesus. So we we have to at least expand the narrative of what Zion and building the house of God in Zion is. It's not just what's whatever happens in, in Israel. And, you know, someday soon we're going to talk about the complexity of everything taking place in, in Israel as well and the application there. But we want to uh, we want to do what Peter did. Talk about Peter and Paul. They talk about the, the living stones being put together and a temple being built. So what is the temple being built today? What is that? Why are the prophets now needing to show up? This is really what uh, Elijah's stream is about uh, yeah. from the intentions of heaven, from the intentions of God is to assist the people in building and in telling a glorious future. Because yeah. what we'll we'll find out where we'll go with these passages is we'll see that both Haggai and Zechariah, if you remember, we identified that they're the ones coming when they're trying to fulfill the Cyrus edict. They're the ones that come and they are building and prophesying. And they are prophesying to the people, you must build. You haven't been building. You've been prioritizing something else. Mm. And so that's one assignment. And number two, there's a glorious day coming. And so it's not just, you know, we can be accused of just sharing hopium, just what is hopeful. Um, there There is a good end to what is taking place. Again, there's a strong parallel today. And that's why the Lord had me. Uh, experience that dream twice and then take a while to really absorb in my spirit what he's saying in the application uh, for today. But that's what goes into the present uh, prophetic uh, task that is before. So the prophets build and prophesy. So I'm going to look at, at at my notes for a couple of fra- phrases here and there. I, I, I know the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to miss. And then we're going to go to the next uh, scripture. Now, we want to understand even for then, well, we just read Ezra 5, uh, 1 and 2. Uh, actually, I want to look at Ezra 6, 14 before I, I say the rest of this. Um, this continues. So the yeah, elders yeah. of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo, and they built and finished it accordingly. So there was a success in doing what they had done. If we understand what had taken place, actually, is because of the lack of this assistance from the prophets, the people were not stepping into what they're supposed to be stepping That's into. True. And so they had to be called into account for it. But it's, I, I like that. I'm going to say that part once more. So the elders of the Jews built and they prospered. So they built and they prospered through the prophesying. If you remember of Haggai and Zechariah, it says in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, heed his prophets and you will prosper. So there's a practical prospering into the good things they say that are going to happen. But there is also, we'll say the contingency is, hey, you've got to do the part he's asking uh, of you uh, to do. We want to understand that this temple, this is around 500 years. This is around 500 Mm -hmm. years before Jesus is on the scene. So 500 years. And when Jesus come, he will, this temple, if they had not rebuilt this temple, you would not hear about Jesus being in the temple. I don't know if you've uh, looked into it, 
much, but Jesus, we, we think of him only being outside in homes and different stuff, different things. But it points out over and over and over that he was in the temple daily. His miracles were in the temple. Uh, the woman. And that, that's referring to the temple in Jerusalem in those cases here? Yes. Oh, so that's what's good. taking place 500 years before is now allowing for, uh, yes, there was war and uh, different uh, oh. destructions that took place, but there would be nothing, no remnant of anything uh, available because what they would rebuild would, would, uh, would serve Israel for hundreds of years. Uh, what would be taking place so there there is a a connectivity uh with it so but here's a couple of things for us the prophetic task was not to give a blow by blow identification of who and when you will not find zechariah you can read all of zechariah you can read all of haggai you can read all of ezra and you would see the prophetic task was not to be a crystal ball and tell them when everything was going to happen and what uh, the who and when, and it was like, well, he's bad, he's good. Uh, that that was not, but it was to ignite the people of God to leave their own paneled houses. We'll get to that in a moment because that's what Haggai uh, really chastised the people with that they had chosen to invest in their own paneled houses hmm. while the house of God lay in ruins. And so we want to understand that for our purposes today. Not think of it as going to church on Sundays more, because that had nothing to do with what was what was what was taking place. Um, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and say again what building the house is for today is building the kingdom, and the kingdom building the kingdom is different than just receiving the Lord as salvation. It's just different than claiming His promises for you. That's still about your paneled houses, and we'll get more to the your paneled houses. There is a point where you're building his house and your house and his house both get to be built. But there is not to be a prioritization of your house above his house. And if you ignore his house, then you are ignoring the kingdom. And so because there has been an overall void of kingdom message in Christianity in our day and in these generations, we have been taken into captivity. We have been captive people with certain level of blessings, but captive because we have not accepted the assignment. That assignment, another way to call it, is a seven mountain mandate because it's salt and light in every area of society. The kingdom of messages, you are the light of the earth, light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. And if you don't salt, if you don't provide that influence, you'll be trampled by that which you refuse to influence. And if whatever you won't light bring light to when you said it's like on a candlestick, seven dimensions of light that are brought. That's we connected to the seven mountains. We've taught on that before. That was Jesus very first message to his very first crowd before he, you know, he tells them how awesome heaven is and heaven's theirs and, and all that. He, the very first thing he does is recruit them for partnering with him in building his house. Because that's that's what he's doing. Building his house is finding your assignment in society in the nine to five world, Monday through Friday. And you, it's not enough um, to just have your own for you. See, that's where I say the extreme grace message of the moment has gone wrong. It's the 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 the, the grace message says it's just it just only personalized, individualizes. It's you. You get your salvation and he did it all. So you need to do nothing. And so, yes, he paid 
100% the price for your salvation, but then he gave you an assignment. And the assignment he gives you, he is not called to accomplish it. It is 100% yours to do, yours to find his help for it. It's in there throughout the scripture over and over, the parable of the talents. There's the two, the five, the one. And it's like he gives it to you. You have an assignment. Then he comes back and says, what did you do with the assignment? So that's not over your salvation. Yes, rejoice, grace, grace. You don't have to strive for your salvation. And for anyone that's new, when you say uh, he gave you an assignment, he's not trying to get everyone to go into full-time ministry to do the assignment, right? In case there's anyone that's new here, this is not about getting hired by a local church to be there, right? I'm just... Right. Yes and no, depending on, we'll, we'll go technical on some words here. Yeah. Um, 100% of you are called to ministry. Yeah. Only 3% will it be church traditional yeah. ministry. That's part of the seven mountain message we, we give is about bringing his salt in light, his influence into media, economy, government, education, arts, entertainment, religion, as, um, let me go that in order, media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, and the mountain of religion, which is the mountain where we normally think of ministry, where, you know, 100% of the time where people have identified before our generation, ministry is taking place in that mountain. But this is, no, where you show up, where you work. And so this is why every one of you has an assignment. That's why this message, Ezra, was the people. You must come and you must begin to build the temple. There wasn't uh, uh, you know, there's not exception. There's no, there's not exceptions. It's like, well, I'm just a grace person just sits around waiting for Jesus to return. Uh, and so that message of we're just sitting around waiting for Jesus to return or that message of he did it all. Therefore, I don't even need to find an assignment. Those two messages constitute uh, being in the same position as the children of Israel was in this day where they're in captivity They have some level of they've gotten some level of comfort in their captivity and and yet they are they are not fulfilling what had been made available through Cyrus's unique decree, something the Lord had been speaking 150 years before Cyrus ever came Mm. on the scene. And so this this is this is an important point um, for us. Now, I'm going to point out something. From I didn't I don't think I told the team here, but I'm just going to read. I mentioned it that Ezra one one. Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia. He made a proclamation. So now keep it there just for a moment. <clears throat> uh, go back to that first part. The word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Jeremiah. His last prophecy was about 50 something, maybe 52 years before this verse. And he prophesied for about 40 years. And it says that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Part of it, we have such um, incongruous concepts on what the prophetic ministry is for. We lack understanding from God's perspective, even what prophetic ministry is for. There's a reason why Jeremiah never got really the advantage of being considered much of a prophet in his day is because there was delay. But it specifically wants us to know 
in Ezra 1.1 that what is taking place is that the words of the prophet Jeremiah spoken a minimum of 52 years before, because that's wow. when he essentially died and ceased prophesying. And it might have been 90, uh, probably seven. We understand actually it was 70 years before. This is 70 years uh, afterwards that, and he had said it would be 70 years. And so this is what, what takes place. So the idea of the prophet ministry being there, so you don't have to worry about anything for the moment and that it tells you who's who and what's what in the exact, exact moment. There's some, you know, there's some frustration in the body of Christ. They want those parameters, those details given. And then some of the prophetic individuals feel that pull and try to speak into it. But even today, this is not the primary task. I put it that way again. I was like back to what we we're talking about, Ezra Cohen, and the present prophetic task. We are a royal priesthood. We ourselves are Ezra's, but he is our helper. And he's caused he's called us to do some things ourselves, even while he's helping us. And the present prophetic task is for those called, forget the title of prophet, but those who have a prophetic ministry at this time, you have to call the people into activation. And so you wonder why there is such a, a, a move of the enemy coming from friendly fire, from the church itself, from Christianity to attack the seven mountain mandate, to attack anything that says we must be involved in rebuilding the temple, the house of God. Remember, the ecclesia, I will build my ecclesia, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. That means he's building his house, his temple, where the gates of hell are. So the gates of hell are on these seven mountains. We know that at the top of the mountain of media, a gate of hell, top of the mountain of education, gate of hell, top of the mountain of arts, entertainment, economy. These places, tops of the mountains, it's not about believers having control and running things. It's we have to stop the darkness. We have to stem the Luciferian domination that's taking yeah. place there. And so this, this message I'm giving today, when I say the present prophetic task, is simultaneously <clears throat> to challenge every one of you, which is why even in my openings uh, promo that we've done for the last 90 weeks is the pain yeah. is for the awakening. The awakening is for your children. So the pain is so that we join in building the house of the Lord. We have to show up. And we're going to give you before we finish here so it doesn't just hang over you like, well, what am I supposed to do? Mm. One, very simple and clear. Some aspects, again, we're, I'm always speaking into what we provide in our other resources, not trying to sell our resource. I'd be guaranteed that you would read and actually step into what the resource says. I'd give them all for free and just go into debt on it. Hmm. Our rise book, Reformers Influencing Society Every Day, is about going into what our awakened assignment is. We have to stem the darkness ourselves. This is how we built his house. His house was not just meant to be something that pulls over in a neighborhood and you do it on Mondays or Wednesday nights. This was, I'm going to build this. I'm going to build my temple, my people. I'm going to dwell in them and Christ in us is going to be that which overcomes the darkness that's trying to rule and reign and keep us captive. So we've been kept captive by the absence of ourselves being positioned at the places in the wall where we're supposed to be building. And that has happened because the enemy has infiltrated 
even church circles, well, especially church circles, seminaries, denominations, and given us a false doctrine that we just wait, that we wait for Jesus to come. It ties in with my message on the glasses. We're waiting for him to do it all. He just says, take authority. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. For some things you just rise and do because he says to do that. He says, you are the light of the world. He says in Isaiah 60, he said that in Matthew chapter four and five. He didn't say, I am the light of the world. Tell people about me. It's we do that too. But he didn't say that. He said, you are the light of the world. You arise. You shine, and he said that again to his first public, before they're even saved, before the Holy Spirit is even revealed to them, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so we want to hear that message. And so this really helped focus me Mm -hmm. on what my prophetic assignment is, is to simultaneously, this is what you should be hearing from me always, and I think you will, if you go back the last two, three, four years, whatever we've been speaking We are simultaneously challenging you as Haggai and as Zechariah. We're challenging you to find your place in the wall. Find your place. How do you build? And I'm just going to go ahead and hit it, Steve, because I can hear. Well, how do how do that people are feeling or wrestling with how to do it? Because I don't want to miss. Yeah, uh, go for it. Miss that point. We we've said it in different times, but it's it's worth repeating. One way can yes, prayer. Prayer is one way is like you discomfort yourself about you and you stand in the gap and you make, that's part of this 30 day thing we're doing, even with uh, the dreams that Andrew had, Andrew Whalen from his, is we're decreeing. So you pray is one. Number two is action. So the action is depending where you are, what it is. Anytime you have an action, like when you know the enemy is trying to, you know, should they come back again and attempt to, mask us and force us with uh, um, vexes that are clearly unhealthy. They put these things. When you resist it, that's an action. That's a pro-kingdom action. So there, there is practical action. Practical action is what we're telling you about from even the seven mountains. There's a way you show up in media. There's a way to show up in arts entertainment. There's a way you show up in education. You can't, we have all that in our resources. The Holy Spirit can teach you that as well. So Action is another way. It's not just prayer. There is action. He wants us showing up in every area of society. But I understand uh, we have many, many uh, viewers that are going to be, you know, plus 70, maybe plus 80. And you're like, I can't I can't go back back into that. Well, again, the praying part can be uh, powerful. Mm -hmm. You also can be speaking into your next generation, encouraging them, funding Mm -hmm. them for finding a place, valuing something other than traditional ministry where they could be ones that bring the kingdom. So, so that's P and an A, P, uh, P being for pray, A for action. I, I did this so you could, an acronym, it's not even a good acronym, but it's paid, P-A-I-D, uh, pray, action, intercession. Intercession is a little different than prayer when you understand the depths of it, it's where you actually get into carrying the burden a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and so some of you call to be inner intercessors and you can feel something changing and breaking and releasing in the spirit. And then the D is for decree tied into all these things as well. But you'll find there are some people um, more anointed on a decree than for intercession. Um, I'll just say, even for me, the Lord, what has the history of when I look back at what the Lord, when he's done amazing things, 
uh, in the nations or whatever is if I decree something. And so if I, um, um, and that's, occasionally there'll be a difference where he says, I want you to lock into intercession and I'll be, that can, you can be locked into that for minutes or hours. And, and but we're just gonna give you just some quickies that when you, so you don't go, well, how do I do that? I'm old, I'm, mm. I'm sick, I'm whatever. Every one of you that's listening can find your place in building the temple. And whether it's the practical showing up in the seven mountains uh, in the ways that we're discussing, or praying, interceding, decreeing, we can do it, but it has to be where you represent him. I gotta stop hitting this table again. Where you represent mm -hmm. him. And it's not just about um, your own little thing. So if you lose the kingdom message, if you lose the seven mandate, you have ceased building his temple, his house. His house is in ruins. I'm, I'm telling you his house is in ruins in our day. Uh, and it's why the church has evidenced almost zero relevance um, where we're no more. And we have a parade of who's who. We have famous Christians or we have the Pharisees that are the legalistic Pharisees that are out there. And that's um, that is how we have been known. We found out about our irrelevance during the last three, four years where there was no measurable resistance of darkness. The whole Antichrist agenda the whole Illuminati deep state agenda that came against us, there was a, a seemingly not even 1% of the church that's officially as church. We had many of now called patriots, many ended up leaving their churches uh, and the church and actually did a more commendable resistance uh, mm, yeah. from organized churchdom. You know, that's what yeah. we found. Uh, uh, there's, there's Steve. So, um, now, here is a, a, a second point or another point. If we look at uh, back to Ezra 6 and chapter 1. Then King Darius, Darius, if you like it, issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And they'll go on to say a scroll was found. <coughs> and there's a point here the Lord wanted me to uh, make. Just keep that up there just, just for, for a second. See, where was the treasure found? The treasure was found, if you go to the first part of, uh, oh, you go ahead and uh, you did verse two. Uh, you don't have to go to verse two. Just go to the uh, front part of, if you go back to 6-1 there, if you're able to put that, that scripture up. The king Darius issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. So we found out by reading verse two that a scroll was found. And so this is just a truth to us. Treasures are stored where decrees are. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say that again, then explain. Treasures are stored where decrees are. So they went. So there's a work that could have been going on for a long time by by you time. By the time you get to Ezra uh, six, but it had not taken place. And there had to be uh, a, a looking into um, the decrees. And so decrees are in, okay, just think of that. They have the treasury. And actually there's on the verse two talked about, uh, the, or somewhere else it does. The name, they name the treasurer. And so the treasury of, of the king, that's where scrolls were of decrees. So they considered decrees to be a treasure. And so that's just an application that combines with what we were just talking about, the PAID decrees. 
and even what we are getting from this 30 day uh, initiative for January, even from the 30 dreams that Andrew Whalen had given, and it ends with part of what we do every day is decrease something. We have to understand that's a treasure. It The decrees open the way for something. It's literally Cyrus, not in person, but his decrees, Cyrus's decrees, even once he passed on, were what allowed the people to go on and build the temple, the walls, and, and finish the work that Nehemiah uh, uh, did way after Cyrus. This happens because decrees are considered treasure. Mm. So just in your own yeah. mind, yeah. understanding uh, the prophetic, there's a truth there the Lord uh, wants us to have. And uh, if you just look at the, I didn't probably tell the team there, but the verse right before 6-1, which is 517 in Ezra, it just kind of further makes the point. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it's so that a decree was just issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send us this pleasure according to this matter. What had happened, they had been stopped. We're going to go into a moment how they had been stopped. They had been stopped for years from rebuilding because of opposition and because of a strategy of the enemy that we're going to talk about that we've seen in our day as well. And they had to go back to get it restarted. They had to go into the treasury and find the decree mm. of Cyrus, the things Cyrus decreed. Again, everything to do with Cyrus, the Lord is speaking in our day. It's why he made this connection. Uh, it's not about Trumpism. It's not about worshiping uh, Trump. This is about God, because even after Cyrus is gone, his change, what he brought about, it's what the Lord spoke to me about Trump. The world will be known as before Trump and after Trump. There are things that he changes forever. There are things Cyrus changes forever. So even when he's gone, there are uh, advances taking place based on, we know there are things going on in our day, executive orders, which are decrees that are made. There are There's a whole different reality taking place than what most of the world in America understands right now, because executive orders, decrees from a king, from President Trump and his position are in place. And when people mm. understand that there comes a time, they're hidden in the treasury, they're obfuscated, they're, they're ignored for a long time, but ultimately you can't. They bring uh, their fruit. So there's a application for us um, through, throughout here. Now let's look at um, Ezra chapter four. And this is where I want to go into something we're experiencing now. Remember the context, rebuilding the temple, the temple that had been obliterated by Babylon. And so the children of Israel had, um, had, had been ignoring what was legally available to them uh, again. So let's, let's read the first six verses of Ezra 4. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants mm. of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the house, heads of the father's house of Israel said to them, you may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, king of Persia, has commanded us. 
Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. In the reign of Hazarus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. <clears throat> what, we see, what we see that took place then, Steve, is so similar to what we're finding now. Um, when it says, the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, they found out the foundation had been laid. The foundation had been laid. And if you go back, uh, um, it... So actually the verses, let me read the verses right before 4.1. So it tells you about the celebration that took place in Israel once the foundation had been laid after decades and decades of there being no temple. Verse, uh, thir- let's, verse 12 of 3, Ezra 3.12. But many of the priests and Levites and the heads of the father's house, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the sound was heard afar off. Now this- I didn't know that. So the same people were both either weeping or rejoicing, huh? Well, you understand, like you celebrate so much, you're so happy you weep. Oh, it's that kind. Okay. That kind. So people are laughing and people are so happy that they're they're weeping. Got it. This is about, they had only laid the foundation. And I'm telling you, the Trump first years was this. The foundation was laid and there's people rejoicing. All the MAGA rallies in the, uh, you know, leading up to the election, there was just joy and joy and party and and people so happy in the, and then, uh, but says, then the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard. Hmm. We had that a dynamic. And they said, let us build with you. So what are what is it when adversaries say, let us build with you? Those are called rhinos. Those are called kinos, kingdom in name only, chinos, Christians in name only. Wow. And so we seek God as you do. And so there has been this tremendous reveal of these last three years where we're having exposure after exposure after exposure of those who pretended to build with us, we'll say, pretended yeah. to build. And um, and so you have, um, I want to sp- uh, note specifically verse five, and they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, if we make that parallel connection, all the days of Trump, that there is hired counselors designed to discourage the people. And and so I'll call these, you'll know this terminology, then I'll explain it, Steve, because we know most of them won't know. These would be called black pillars, you know, black pills. Yeah, yeah. Red pill, blue pill, black pill. Yeah. And so we have the red pill is, you know, to become awake and to become aware. And so that's, that's what people are aware of, but black pill, uh, that's a terminology that's come out. That's, that's, that's a person who woke up, became awake and had hope for a moment and then was convinced either nothing was going on or the enemy was too big and there's no way to defeat them. 
Well, you know, and I hadn't heard that term as you just defined it, but it makes perfect sense. Some people, and if you go back to when Trump first appeared to accidentally lose the election, which I don't think was accident, I think he knew it was coming. So there's a significant part of the entire body of Christ that says that's it. And they became angry towards Trump even. All of a sudden, he, he was a hero. So, right, I mean, that, if that may be an example of Black Bill. They just quit. They just went back and closed the door. And so I want us to see that where it says they hired counselors to frustrate them. That is hiring the media. That is how they called them counselors. But these these are these are individuals in the media designed to take the, uh, you know, the oxygen right out of you, the breath right out of you. No, it's not what you think. There's not something good taking place here at all. And, and so this 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 was this was actually successful. It was actually for years that be, the next thing they did is raise an accusation against the inhabitants. So there were legal maneuverings. There was hiring voices to tell a fake narrative and legal accusations trumped up charges like has come up against Trump and J6. And again, it's not just been Trump. It's a whole ton of people. And through that, they did uh, for years, actually, for, they, they were able to stop what had what was taking place. It didn't happen in the timetable that it could have happened because the people did fall for what the counselors were saying. The trumped up charges did put things through a legal process where they had to stop building. Again, that's why I say this is very connected to what's taking place. There's a reason why the Lord's talking about this right now. The Ezra Cohen, it's like you're a royal priesthood. Holy Spirit's here to help, but you've you've got to press in. You've got to press forward. And so, and it ties in with the prophetic task of the moment. And so the enemy has its own prophetic task because they know everything they do. They have to um, be speaking that. But this is where I want us, and you can begin to prepare the clip from Noah Harari. It's just real, real short. You're going to see this person, but he is considered the top prophet of the deep state. This is their guy. And he's usually telling how they're going to take control and how globalism is going to take over. And, and of course, he, he doesn't even share the heart. Globalism uh, doesn't sound so bad as what we actually know is the rule and reign of Baphomet. It's Illumina, Illuminati, Luciferian. It is cultic Baal worship, but it goes by globalism. And um, their own prophet, this just came out, somebody sent it to me, and I believe it's very recent, and it's really their own um, uh, their own prophetic observance of what's taking place. So if that's ready, go ahead and, and, and put that up. It's just like 30 seconds. Right. Here we go. Are you concerned that Trump might be elected again? Shortly? I, I think it's very likely. Mm. And if it happens, it is likely to be the kind of like the, the death blow to what remains of the global order. And he says it, and he says it openly. Now, again, it should be clear that many of these politicians they present a false dichotomy, a false binary vision of the world, as if you have to choose between patriotism and globalism, between being loyal to your nation and being loyal to some kind of, I don't know, global government or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. What's interesting there, you can see he's slick as can be, but even in his slickness, 
he's having to say, I already think that the damage is done. What he may not be admitting yet is he's actually um, in his own way running things. He's actually exerted, exerted more global change through his non-presidency than he did through his presidency. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Head to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Now, back to the show. Through the things he's doing behind the scenes. And when you have their own prophet saying, um, yeah, and there is another place where he says, essentially, it's, it's, already, it's already done. But if he's in there again, they don't realize he's been in there and he'll be in there as long as the Lord wants him and as long as yeah. he wants um, it's it's a it's a done deal, and he's acting like you know that the the two views are globalism versus. Well, versus- and I mean, can I just say it seems like he forgets all of the other quotes that he's that are all out there all over the internet, where his thing talks about fifteen minute cities where people can busy themselves with video games, and that's what they would do. Are you? Flip it makes me want to say something bad. I'm not one who cusses, but I mean, I'm just saying, who under heaven died and made him the prophet who will tell us now how we should live? And why can't we just agree that we can be both patriotic at the same time as follow our rules of playing video games at home and never go anywhere? I think it's so stupid that he thinks his arguments have been compelling that anybody would want to follow his this vision. It you have to be. Me. You have to be under the same deception, but we'll just put it this way. They see the writing on the wall. Yeah, they see God. the writing on the wall. If we can back that up, there's just a little uh, a tweet. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure. It goes on social media. I don't know if it classifies as a tweet, but it's it's Alexander Soros making a statement. And really, this is, I could have put several voices. Uh, according to Alexander Soros, son of George Soros, Donald Trump is already the president of the United States to the people at the World Economic Forum. In Davos, Donald Trump is already the president. So we'll just tell you that, you know, while you're being blackpilled by counselors who lie to you about what's really going on, the enemy already knows what's going on. The enemy already sees that he is the president and what he is affecting because of He's representing not his own interests. It's a we the people. It's a freedom. It's a it's a freedom and it's assignment from God, but it's designed to free us. We're not to go back to anything. This is part of what my prophetic assignment is. We have to begin to show up in every area of society. We have to be the poll workers. We have to be those who run, uh, uh, be involved. Library, uh, you know, chief librarians what goes in there, educational systems. We have to begin to show up everywhere. That's the way we practically become the ecclesia. It's not just if we can have a good meeting on Sunday and all fall out in the spirit. That does nothing. We've been doing that. And while we were doing all that, we were giving away the seven mountains. We were giving away all the institutions and they have been totally compromised and they have been channels of death. Every single one Uh, I think I've taught on that once here before, but I could go mountain by mountain by mountain and tell you how it's been an instrument of death. And they have facilitated, financed and educated us into a a world that believes that we are overpopulated, that we need to be depopulated. And then 
They have given us food that sickens us. They have withheld food that's good for us. Yeah. Uh, pharmaceuticals that are bad for us. This is all going to be revealed shortly, but it's not so that we go back to our where we were. Right, um, so right. That the clarity well, of and, that, and Johnny on with with Trump, if Noah Harari and all of his quotes that were have been released to us, let's say for the last two and a half, three years, if those had continued to be released to us like they've been, and we at the same time we didn't have this man from God, Donald J. Trump, by now we might have just given up because we wouldn't have had God's anointed person for the hour to fight for us who would we who would be representing us i mean maybe god would raise up another of course but um it's like with that representation that we have in donald trump from the lord we can resist that lunatic i mean he's just a lunatic that he's saying why can't they accept that you can be patriotic and still do what we want you to do from a global he still thinks that's appealing to to the people in normal houses in normal homes he actually thinks, I mean, you can hear I'm just incredulous. Even at watching this, which he appears to be almost giving up, I'm thinking, do you hear yourself? You really think people want this part with globalist control? Anyway, okay, thank you. No, I got it out. I'm just yeah, so. You, you got it. He's, but he's slick. So he's a liar. If he's going to yeah. be, if you're representing the lying side, you're going to be anointed in your lying. And so. Yeah. He's he's been that and he tries to frame even the argument differently than what really it is. But the key we want to take away to encourage ourselves with an application for today, because this keeps coming up in the body of Christ is like Trump. They have, you know, this over dependence on Trump and whatever. Listen, Trump's going to be there as long as the Lord wants yeah. him to make the point. It's already happened what the Lord said, that uh, yeah. Trump is going to be. The world is going to be known as before Trump and after Trump yeah. and because of the call and assignment. But just imagine if the children of Israel, if they got so tired of hearing about Cyrus, because you had Isaiah talk about it for about 10 chapters. You had multiple chapters of Jeremiah. You have Ezra talk about him. Daniel talks about him. You have all the prophets mention him in some capacity or another. <clears throat> and if you have all of us in some super spiritual person in the body of Christ say, listen, I'm tired about hearing this sinner, this heathen that worships another God as Cyrus. Like he's, is God not strong enough that he can do so without him? I don't appeal to Cyrus. I appeal to God. Well, guess what? If they didn't find Cyrus's decree, they had no way of advancing with the temple of God. The temple of God was advanced because of Cyrus's decree. Of course, Cyrus's decree was prophesied by Isaiah the prophet. So it all started with God. But once God chooses an instrument, it is not super spiritual. It does not show that you rely on God anymore by saying, I only trust God. If you only trust God, listen to his narrative. Yeah. Listen yeah. to who he's, who is appointed man for the hour for a certain. Obviously, it's not for forever. There's an assignment that Trump has and he's been doing it. But if you disregard that and you try to say you're some super spiritual individual or prophet who wants to discard him because, wow, there's people trusting in him uh, too long. It is not bad to trust in whom God says is your deliverer. Right. I, I mean, he to this for all of us in this hour, the last three, four years, he was starting with his first um, first four years. He was our Margaret Thatcher. He is our Churchill. 
He was our Abraham Lincoln. He was our John F. Kennedy. And to, to suggest that he's anything less than that is not actually paying attention. And God no. said all of those, all of those people. No, and we still have this thing amazing how we've come back around. There is this blockage of the Red Sea and the canals going on there. So there's this whole Red Sea, and that's where the shooting yeah. and war is trying to start. The Red Sea again, and it's to take us back in our thoughts to the Red Sea deliverance. And in the same way, if the children of Israel said, I'm tired because some did. I'm tired of this Moses. And why are we following this 83-year-old man who can barely talk and, and this and that and the other? It's like you did so to your own hurt and harm. Yeah. It was not considered, it did not please the Lord for you to be able to say, I'm done with Moses, I'm following God. So for all of yeah. you out there who keep doing this thing is, is like, I'm ignoring who God says is who he's using and I'm going for yeah. God only. He is not happy with you. Yeah, he that takes some kind of arrogance for any one of us if we did that, said, I, you know, I'm, I'm not listening to, in this case, Trump, because I'm going to follow God. Can you imagine what God is like? That's an arrogance before God. I sent you help and you, and you prayed for it. And now that he's here, you're saying, I'm yeah, going to worship you instead. It's you acknowledge the work he's doing. You don't have to say he's God. You don't have to say right. everything that's coming out of his mouth is biblical uh, instruction for you. <clears throat> you don't have to say all those things, even though you're getting a lot more biblical instruction from most things he says than you're getting from a lot of pulpits in America. But that's a whole separate, uh, separate point. But here's the deal. I want us to look at um, as time is ticking on us. Haggai chapter one, because we're telling you and this is important. So the two prophets prophesying while the temple is being rebuilt are Haggai and Zechariah. And so what's important about their names, even as I'm about to read something from Haggai chapter one, Haggai means festive. And that's what his name means. Zechariah means Jehovah remembers. And both of those names are very important and they're very important towards our pre present prophetic task as well. Because though we are in captivity like they were, he is setting us free. He's inviting us in to the building of his house and it's to be festive. And that's why those who have caught on to that enough know this is a time to embrace. Festive means to embrace joy. And, and this is about feasting. And, and the Lord remembers. Why is it Jehovah remembers for Zechariah, the other prophet? Because it feels like for some who, who get black pilled too much or you find out too much stuff, we have been forgotten. God has forgotten us. So prophets are there to keep you with proper joy, and they're there to keep you aware that God has remembered at what's taking place. But here, let's look at uh, Haggai chapter one, remembering where is he doing this stuff? He's prophesying to the people who Ezra the priest is trying to motivate to build. And in, in verse, uh, let's see what I mentioned to them. I would, I would read, I think verse three, we'll start with verse three. Um, I'll start with verse two. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts saying, this people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Then he goes on. You have sown much. You bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself. Wow. But no one is warm. He who earns wages 
earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Verse seven, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains. Go up to the seven mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, it came to little. And I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Wow. Intense. And it goes on. You see the intensity of the message, Mm -hmm. why the Lord's making this point. So this is being prophesied while they're called to build the temple. That's why I want to make it clear so we don't like, what is building the temple? Building the temple is finding our place in society where we are called to manifest the kingdom of God. And as I said, it can be pray, it can be an action, intercession, decree, but we have to find our place. We have to show up and we have to be those that are being the light of the world, the salt of the earth. This is what he was telling them. This is what he's telling us. And he says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? That implied wealth. So you understand they were in captivity. They were not a free nation, but they had gained certain level of freedom. So this mm. is us today. We've in, been in captivity. We're like, hey, I have an air-conditioned house and two cars and um, whatever. And so it doesn't yeah. feel like captivity. You're in captivity, and it's motivated you to wow. stay out of showing up for rebuilding. Can, can you, like, back up and state that again? Are you, You're saying people are in prosperous, warm houses, and how is it captivity? It's captivity because there's a cap on what you can do. You, yeah. are, you are limited. You, you are allotted. It's really what Noah Harari and um, what's his name? Um, Klaus Schwab probably. Yeah, said. It's like you're going to own very little and have very little responsible and, and, have, and be very happy about it. You're given a certain level, and you're like, hey, yeah, this is at least not starvation. And, you know, once you're out of the, 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 the difficulty of, uh, of just having nothing, when you're no longer in, in uh, you know, those kind of circumstances, then you can feel like once you're, I'm no longer survival mode. And so this is prosperity. But the Lord has uh, so much more for us. And it's, and it's, you know, he says, you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat, you don't have enough, you drink, you're not filled with drink. Yet you're drinking, but it's like there's no satisfaction to it. And, and your wages, you're losing most of them to taxes. You earn wages to put into a bag with holes because you, you, know, you get taxed at every level. And so it's not just talking about taxes, but it talks about yeah. when we don't seek first the kingdom of God, when we yeah. don't prioritize finding that place, and when we have doctrines. And then we have uh, not only that we have doctrines, but you have these group of people in the body of Christ that are on the search on the internet everywhere else for anybody who has a message of responsible Christianity. And they want to put a tag of whether it's dominionism or NR, NAR, I don't even want all these things. And they're really, they're trying to tag anybody who says build the house. And it's not takeover message. It's build the house of the Lord. He wants the temple. We're the living stones. He wants his temple to be in all areas of society on the seven mountains. He wants to have a place of habitation in what we would call Hollywood, place of habitation, what we would call Wall Street, place of habitation in Harvard. He wants a place of habitation everywhere. 
and his place of habitation is never independent of his sons and daughters. We are his temple. We are the temple of the living God as living stones. This is who we are. And so this is the assignment for today. So the prophetic task for the day is say, people, show up where you're supposed to show up. I'm going to do. Here's where we're going to get just for a moment in the good news of it all, because this is where Haggai is like. As prophet, he's saying, do it. So but that's not the only assignment. He then goes, you go to chapter two. He talks about the coming glory of the house of God. So it would be almost an improper balance. So we have people and there's nothing wrong with the prophet who only tells about the glory that's coming. We have that even we have the Psalms 24, the king of glory is coming in. So it's like so appropriate for uh, for this year, 2024, the emphasis on Psalm Psalm 24. But in verse three, you have the conversation of Haggai, the prophet saying, who is left among you who saw the temple in its former glory? And that the former glory was Solomon's temple, which was amazing. And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land. Now hear that, all you people of the land, not just the leaders, not just the king, not just the governor, not just apostles, prophets, not just pastors, not just ministers. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work. Okay? You grace people, work, not for your salvation, but towards your assignment, towards kingdom objectives. All you people of the land and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I coveted with you when I came out of, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And here's the great part. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth. Guess what's going on right now? The sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. And they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, in the midst of it all. Mine is the silver. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, we want to get this message together because this this is the prophetic task for the moment is not just to prophesy glory without us showing up. You know, we don't get Haggai chapter two without Haggai chapter one. He says, build. And even in chapter two, he says, be strong, all you people. I'm with you. This is his word to all of us right now. I'm with you. I'm with you towards this end of bringing a glory unprecedented you've never seen before. And minus the silver and minus the gold. That's why we're going to some gold and silver backed economies around the world. He's he's making that statement as well. But we don't want to forget the other part of the prophetic task that we have to be stewarding before you, what we have to be telling you. We have to see this. Yes, this work is a joy. It's a privilege. He's with us. It's advancing the kingdom of God on earth, and it's according to where we're at and what we can do. Uh, and so this is not to feel some false burden. It's it's not legalism. It's not works message. The works, again, works. There's no works for salvation, only he gives it. But he does then assign you something, and he wants us not to keep it 
to quit ignoring that because that's what's brought us into captivity. That's what's made us irrelevant. And that's to change uh, now. So we'll close Haggai and look at the last uh, two verses. Well, first of all, I'll start with 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. This is going on right now. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, stop and say, this is happening right now. I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and the riders shall come down, everyone by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Whole message we could give on Zerubbabel. He was the one that came. He was from the lineage of David. And Zerubbabel means he who came out of Babylon. And so, yes, we've been in Babylon. We've been under captivity. He says, you can come out and I want to make you a signet ring. That means we have the authority. It goes back to my point on the glasses as well. Instead of me saying, Holy Spirit, show me. He's like, call it forth. So he gives us, he makes us a signet ring. We carry authority. We come out of captivity. We agree with him. We, we all accept the assignment of who he made us to be. We show up how we're supposed to be, and he releases this glory. He shakes the nations. He overthrows the throne of kingdoms. Now, that's like a whole message at some point to be given, the throne of, uh, uh, of kingdoms. Now, because of time, uh, Steve, I'm just going to look at a couple things in Zechariah. We okay. want to look at as well because there's a verse that just cannot be uh, uh, missed. But remember, Zechariah is the other prophet prophesying. This goes into our prophetic task. What the Lord was saying with this Ezra Cohen, I'm here to help you, but you got to step into your priesthood. You're a royal priesthood. I've made you kings and priests to our God, and this is what we what we do. In the eighth month, this is verse one of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, "The Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return." To me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Do not be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached, saying, thus said the Lord, turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. And they did not hear me. Um, and he goes on uh, to speak in, into, into that. But one of, he's given the same correction. For time's sake, we're not going to go into all, all, the, all the verses. Um, but he, he goes on to to tell how he's coming back to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it. He says in verse 16 of one, my city shall again spread out through prosperity. Mm. He says that in verse 17, the Lord will again comfort Zion, will again choose Jerusalem. But here's the, the two verses I really wanted us to, to get here is chapter two of Zechariah, verse eight. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me, after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For surely I will shake my hand against them. They shall become spoiled for your servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Again, worth another topic there. He sent me after glory to the nations. And then verse 10, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I'm coming and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become 
my people. It's important that we see he has his heart for many nations. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord. When he says he sent me after glory to the nations, many nations shall be joined to the Lord and they shall become my people. So he doesn't have this exclusive interest in Israel. There is a starting point with what he does in Israel, what he showcases through Israel, Israel. But he has this thing, they shall become my people. Many nations shall become my people. This is the objective of it all. This is why he says, start building my temple. Start being my ecclesia out in the called out place. The ecclesia, those called out to show up in places of community where there are needs and begin to represent him. Decree, declare, be be active-minded according to whatever the need is. I'll say that P-A-I-D one more time. Either pray, the action, intercession, decree. He has given us all the tools that we need. We can think that we need the prophetic here to tell us the details of exactly when, exactly who, and it's not that. The prophetic is here to tell you, get on assignment. There is a great glory, a great rescue of the nations before us. That's that's the assignment I am repeatedly uh, bringing before you and won't stop because that is the assignment while this building while we get out of captivity, he's taking us out of ca- captivity. He's doing it for his own purposes, for the nations and for those who are in Zion, for his sons and daughters. And this is such a privileged time and moment that we live in. That's why he's like, there's Haggai. It's a festive time. This is, yes, I'm rebuking you for caring about your thing, about caring for your denomination, caring about your church and prioritizing uh, your doctrine you're lesser than your little pet doctrine of how you have to do nothing and how you little you just get to wait right there. And I'm telling you, that's not the message. I'm trying to be a clear clarion voice from a prophetic standpoint that we have a work. We have an assignment, but it's a joyful one. It's a festive. It's a rebuilding one. It's one if we actually had a vision for it, if we understood it, it is it should wake us up every moment, every morning with joy to like, yes. I can't wait to get back to this type of work because this is a work that advances the kingdom of God on earth. Really, 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 really good. Important, not just good, but really important. Um, I'm just amazed. I, I, I have, I know we've talked about this a lot, but it never stops being really, really important, you know? And then when we, to me, when you juxtapose the, what God is calling us to and we see what we're up against with Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab, and they're trying to take all of our freedom. I mean, this is a time where God is, when we stand against that, and at the same time we're standing and saying, no, you're not doing this, because at the same time we're going, but God, where do you want me? Where's my during the week? You know, when I was raised, our little, our denomination had a little song that all the kids learned to sing, and the, the, the song went one, two, three, four, five, six for us. And it sings that several times. The seventh is for Jesus. And so we were drummed in that six days were ours. And we would give one. And it, you carry that for years. You know, we want to give him that. And even the commandment given on, and, and on Mount Sinai was inadequate to, to communicate that because he said, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day. So if you just took that do and don't, you would miss the message of Christ right now, wouldn't you? 
It Absolutely. has to be a curtain key, uh, a current kingdom message right now, which is this is not about six for us and you get one and we'll just try and give you lots of attention on that day. You know, <laughs> anyway, well, listen, you've got a great book to introduce by Justice. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we're super excited. Justice is this week launching uh, her her book and um they have it right there and i'll just show you this right here i've been reading it from uh, feminist to feminine and uh reclaiming the value of womanhood in god's story is a book for women of all ages to help them intentionally discover who god created them to be as a woman now this you know we're, we're right around the corner from valentine's day so this you can i think uh, we will will be in the comment section there you can uh, uh purchase it from restore7.org and um you can also uh, we have it on audible justice's own voice and kindle and oh, nice uh, wow talk about proactive good for her yeah and it's on amazon and i you know justice is brilliant you'll see that when you when you read this but it's part of her own journey that she was driven by um feminism and and part of it she'll even say motivated is when elizabeth when my wife when we made her pastor in the church many years ago we had a bunch of she perceived a bunch of males that were not happy with that and it made her um it made <laughs> her lock into feminism in a, in a way so she thought it sort of um as you know some extension of fundamentalism and so she went to feminism and she she goes through it and describes it uh, her, wow. her own journey, and even for those you know of our family, know enough of it. Part of her drive is she she became you know Miss Tennessee. Yeah, uh, she did beautiful. It, she was. I had that. We still have that picture hanging up. I almost wanted to bring it out and show it because she's just beautiful, and yeah, beautiful inside and out. I'll say that. But uh, it, hey, by the way, while you're talking, Johnny, put that website up. Where do they go now to get this book? On what's the local one? There is, I yeah. think, puts okay. There we go. Um, okay, that's a long one. Is that okay. the other thing is to go to restore7.org. Okay, have up all, all the time. And yeah, you know, Justice was um, really she was when the Miss USA pageant came, she was, I, I saw it, she was listed as one of the favorites um, in the yeah. top five. And even the reason that it, the pageant was done, some had said the reason the pageant was done in Tennessee was because. There was strong sense she would win. Well, it oh. came out that she was. Uh, she said some positive things about Trump, and so then the those who ran ran the. I don't even know if she cares. She probably doesn't like me saying, but I'm saying it anyway. Uh, those who ran uh, the pageantry, they're like, we are not having someone who is pro-Trump um, uh, winning winning this thing. So she oh, took man. The, the the heat for that. But that was fine. It's part of the purposes of the Lord. She wasn't going to uh, stay on too much anyway. But she was. But as part of her journey and the way she um, explains, and again, if you have daughters who are processing, you know, what is what is what is right? Because there's we do understand even in, from Christianity, from fundamentalism, from misunderstanding, mishandling of the scriptures, there's an oppression, diminishing of women, not allowing them to step into leadership. That was her initial, uh, um, you know, we'll say the thing that uh, instigated her into go into feminism and it's not that she's turned her back on that, but she understands and she'll point out, you know, there's there's what what's what's God's way. And then on either side of it, 
there is a, you know, there's a, there's a ditch, there's a ditch on either side of the correct path. And um, she does such a brilliant job of navigating through it all that uh, again, for Valentine's day, yes, it's for women in some way, but if you're a dad, um, if you're, I'm pretty sure all men know a woman this could to go to. And so I'm so proud of her. And it's, it's so. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I want to say this too, because we know we, we were with you guys last year with all your daughters. Um, but it would be easy for someone to say, look at that. She's beautiful. She was Miss Tennessee. I don't know if I could relate because life was handed to her in a silver platter. That is not the case. <laughs> she had to fight for her life. Does she tell that story in this book? I was, yeah, uh, yes, at some measure, I'm trying to, I, you know, I'm in the process of reading and I'm, I'm trying to think if, if she said it all, but uh, you're right. She, she lived years of pain and had to have a very serious surgery and it looked like she was never, uh, you know, it was in danger of never being able to have children again. And, and uh, you know, just a lot of uh, uh, great challenges. She'll tell her there even about being assaulted in her mind um, early on and, and, and just because of part of, part of this as well. And so you'll feel, uh, very, um, connected to her in yeah. process because she's yeah, not one that's lived in stars and she's not, oh, everything's perfect. No, she feels like she's been one who's been through war after war oh. after war. Her she's whole not. pageantry time was she, war after war. It was spiritual war for being named justice and showing up on a stage yeah, she had to live out justice, didn't she? Even that Trump thing as it related to everything, that was a justice denial. I mean, she, God had his way. But uh, listen, I want to say this too. Do Doreen and me a favor and order this book, Bless Justice. We, you know, she's put hard work in this. I know it's good. I had heard you talk about uh, your justice. I don't remember the details, but she was. she's basically really smart and real brilliant. Uh, I don't know all the ways. One time you told me something and I can't even remember what it was now, but she's, she's no dummy, you know? No, she, she is, um, she is, I will say she's just an intellectual. She's learned. Oh, look how at to- that. Oh, I love that. Look at that. <laughs> that was when she uh, became Miss um, um, Ten- Miss Tennessee, not that many, many years ago. And uh, she served as Miss Tennessee during the COVID years. In fact, she has the record for the longest. I think she served 530-something oh, days. Oh, really? Wow. Miss Tennessee because uh, it was ex- extended in, in that way. I think and, you said uh, when she came out on that with that particular dress on, that's when they gasped back <laughs> by the judges and you started hearing that maybe she was a candidate for Miss USA. Is that the one? Well, yeah. One of the judges right then said, she said, when Justice walked out, she says, I literally gasped and fell back. And she <laughs> says, and I said, she is going, she is our national uh, candidate. And so, yeah, it, it may have been, um, you know, the enemy doesn't want, hasn't wanted Justice to be showcased on our primary stages in the United States, no doubt about it. And so just like the story we're talking about, there is you get the foundation. You're like, we're on the way. Then you have to keep insisting. And so that's part of the message. So we have to keep insisting. We stay in building mode. He's with us. He's promising good things. He's promising big stuff. He's promising glory. He's promising mine is the silver and the gold. And there's a reason he speaks that in the midst of it all. There's a reason he had me wake up with it would have gone nuclear except for Ezra Cohen, which is a call to us to awaken to our priestly assignment as well. It may also refer to an assignment that Ezra Watnick Cohen has been carrying as well. 
there could be a dovetailing and yeah. interacting that's taking place a, as well. But this is a word to encourage. That's why Haggai, festive. There is, we, we want to embrace the assignment with joy, but once we accept the assignment, we don't want to keep saying, no, I don't have to do anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want, I just want to be rescued. I want to be like the little bird uh, and somebody put a worm in my mouth. No, no, none of that for us. Uh, no more escapism. Uh, that's the message we're against more than anything is however you use escapism, whether you, whether you use the rapture message or a grace message, whatever is escape from the responsibility of being who he made you to be, Jesus fulfilled his own assignment. He calls us to fulfill our own assignment. He's given us talents. It could be five, it could be two, it could be one. And he wants us to do something with it. And there are consequences to not doing so. When we do so as a people, there is this reward that extends into the nations itself. And it's amazing. So good. So good. All right. Well, Johnny, thank you so much. Uh, Reminder that uh, Dr. Jan Halper-Hayes will be with us in the morning. Uh, always just lots of good revelation in the in the term of patriot patriot revelation things that she knows from the inside and impressions and uh, knowledge she has that's going to be great and then on wednesday is gene ho who has been president trump's photographer during his first campaign he now is the editor also of the brand new republished george magazine which was originally published founded by jfk jr and now gene ho has resurrected that um, I, I'm going to ask him to tell that story, uh, but uh, that was interesting. There was even a prophecy that came forward years ago that the George would be republished. So I'll let him share that with you if he wants to do that. So I don't want to steal his thunder, but anyway, that, do, do not miss this week. It's going to be great. And then I think Thursday is we have Andrea Hobart, who I haven't been able to interview on my show for quite a while. She's a flight attendant, but she's done a lot of work uh, with traffic children, literally helping rescue and not just after fa- after the fact, but helping them get rescued. And she gives a lot of credit to you all who who so blessed her and through your giving to us, we're able to give to that um, that work. So a lot of children have been rescued because of money you've sent in. And Steve, if I can is. just yeah. throw in just those names you just gave, you know, Jan and Jean and Andrea, they're perfect examples of people in their own way, they're building the temple because any way you're contending for his ways on earth, you are in some way building his temple. And so the old days of just having revelators who uh, uh, just tell on things that are irrelevant to life here on earth. Yeah. That's not the, the the prophetic task is to challenge. And that's what you're going to get from all of those examples and challenges of how to be involved and being an instrument of his kingdom coming on earth. Whether they know that language to say it or not, some of the yeah. these that are best at manifesting it don't even know how to give the language for it, but yeah. that's what they're doing. Yeah. That's so be Those are good. Very, very glad you just said that. That's really That really adds it into that. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much. Thanks again for your uh, generous support for this ministry. And we will see you all in the morning at 11 o'clock Pacific. Bye-bye. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.